This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Honor the victims, celebrate the heroes. That's Genius Book Publishing's approach to true crime. Covering some of the most important cases in crime worldwide, our books never glorify the killers. From the Melissa Witt case all the way to the Golden State Killer and the Zodiac, if you're looking for solid, meticulously researched, thrilling true crime, look no further than Genius Book Publishing's catalog of titles. Visit GeniusTrueCrime.com for the best true crime books available. Also available on Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes. Hi, I'm Alicia Lockhart. And I'm LaDonna Humphrey. We're the co-hosts of the Deep Dark Secrets podcast. We have some really exciting news to share with you. This May, we're headed to True Crime Fest Northwest Arkansas. That's right, I'm so excited. True Crime Fest Northwest Arkansas is happening on May 20th in Rogers, Arkansas. And we're gonna be joining podcasters like Katherine Townsend, Crawl Space, and True Crime Garage, and others to share stories of the missing and murdered, and to reflect on the heroes that are fighting to bring awareness to victims across the United States. True Crime Fest Northwest Arkansas promises to be an exciting event that supports a great cause. All the ticket sales benefit All the Lost Girls, which is a nonprofit founded in honor of Melissa Witt. We hope you'll make plans to come see us and all of the other amazing advocates that are fighting for justice. For more information and to get your tickets, visit allthelostgirls.org. We'll see you there at True Crime Fest. I'm LaDonna Humphrey. And I'm Alicia Lockhart. Welcome to Deep Dark Secrets, the podcast that shines a light in dark places. Today, oh today, we're going to be talking about another murder connected to the death fetish community, which is just so sad. Yes, we are going to cover another one, contrary to what the fetishers would want us to say, you know, because they tell everybody that their death fetish is what, Alicia? fantasy and we know that it's not that there are murder after murder after murder happening because of death fetish so today we're going to talk about stella the murder of stella domador kuzma by a sick depraved death fetisher named ryan justin thornton And this murder happened in july 2018 in bournemouth dorset england she was 34 years old And she had actually migrated from Venezuela to Bournemouth, thinking that there were better opportunities for her future there. She also thought it was just stunning to live there. She loved the beach and the landscape. She had been there for about four years, and I would say she was definitely finding those opportunities. She volunteered her spare time at a disabled person's water sports group, 
and she had a job working at a place called Barclays Bank. The Kuzma family described her as always positive, enthusiastic, and adventurous with a sassy smile. She was, I know, it kind of makes me think of you. It does. You're positive, enthusiastic, and you have a sassy smile. So Just a little bit of spice. Just a dash. That makes everything nice. (laughs) Stella was well-educated, and she was also a world traveler. She had a pure heart, and she had close relationships with her mother and her brother. Her friends described her as bright, bubbly, kind, and unique. And there was absolutely no indication that Stella was into death fetish herself. I actually think that's really important to note because I really don't like some of the cases we've covered where the victim was a part of the community. It seems like there's these sympathizers with the murderer that are like, oh, it's consensual. Oh, she was there. He was there. And I just, it really leaves a bad taste in my mouth when there's a case like that. I feel like all of these victims should have respect as a human who didn't deserve to die, even if they were having a mental health crisis. But this case, like you said, it's a very clear line here. She wasn't into this at all. Yeah, not at all. I mean, her life was positive and full of beauty and light. And then she gets connected to her murderer, Ryan Thornton. And that was just that she had moved into a shared flat in Richmond Gardens and started renting a bedroom. Ryan had moved in, I think, on June 22nd, and Stella moved in on the 29th. And so that was her connection there. And the kitchen and bathrooms were shared spaces between she and Ryan. That's scary to think about since we're going to learn about his true character. And I think what's even more frightening to this scenario is that Stella had actually only been there a few days when Ryan Thornton decided to take her life. That is so sad. I mean, he hadn't been there very long either. And I can just picture it because when I lived in Portland, that was such a common thing. Housing was really expensive in the city. And so people would, if you were just a single person, you know, find a suitable apartment or house and just share the space with people who were like-minded. So I'm sure she just thought that this was going to be a way that she could save money and live affordably. And she really just had no idea what a dangerous person that she was starting to share her home with. Well, I know we say this in all of the episodes, but that's what makes this so frightening about death fetish, because you just don't know who has these kind of thoughts and feelings and fantasies and then plots to make it reality. I mean, it could be anybody. And so there was no way that Stella could know. And that's just incredibly disheartening. And it's scary. It really is. And I'm sure she was just, you know, thinking, well, these people seem normal. We're all going to get by here. She may have even thought that Ryan looked normal, or she may have thought he was handsome and normal. But he was a bit younger than she was. He was 20 years old at the time. And he was a chef by trade. And he definitely had some really deep, dark secrets. As I was researching him for this episode, I saw a lot of people talking about him online. There were definitely people in that community that knew him and had had experiences with him. And some of his acquaintances even left comments on different news articles about Stella's murder. 
And they had said that Ryan had always been, quote, a little weirdo, unquote, for his whole life. Well, I mean, we hear that a lot in these stories, though. It's after the fact. People will say, oh, yeah, that guy that murdered so-and-so. Yeah, he was a creep. He was a weirdo. But I don't think people know what to do with that kind of information. And often there isn't anything you can do. But we do hear that time and time again. Yeah, so I think he had some red flags going on for a long while before. There was a different man, someone named Jay, that had said, I went to college with this kid. He was in two of my classes and he did seem kind of disturbed. I could definitely tell that he had issues. It reminds me of a case that we just recently covered, and it was the murderer of Jamie Lynn Boland. And remember all of the things that people came back to say about him once that murder was public. And that was one of the things they said is that he seemed disturbed. He had issues. He had problems. He was talking about strange things. And I just want to really quickly remind our listeners that you should tell somebody. If that's a coworker, let your employer know. If, you know, you're a student, let your teacher know, let a professor know, talk to somebody, get it on record with somebody. Absolutely, because you just don't know, especially if this person is making comments about like necrophilia or violence towards other people, you definitely should say something to somebody so that there's a record there. So in addition to people just saying that he was disturbed and weird, there were Also, multiple other sources that had indicated that Ryan's life had been overrun by an addiction to drugs around the time of the murder. Oh, wow. So marijuana and cocaine were both mentioned as substances that he was addicted to and used really frequently. And I think it's so interesting that these people were all aware of these addictions to those things. But what none of them knew was that Ryan was also addicted to pornography. He had troves on his computer of just the worst kinds of pornography imaginable. He would go on his laptop and watch violent pornography of all sorts. I mean, he had multiple videos of children even being raped on his laptop. That's disgusting. It is. He also had videos of women who were being drugged, raped, and tortured. That is really disgusting. And yet again, it's another story of someone that's addicted to violent porn that's also crossing over into child pornography. Yeah, I am definitely seeing a pattern here. I think that this particular thing, the um, correlation between being into child porn and being into death porn, it just seems to get stronger the more that we research other cases. And that is not something I expected to discover as we started down this path of researching the murders. Same, but you know what I smell in this? I smell a second season that may cover child pornography and those kind of connections. What do you think, Alicia? Absolutely. I'm on board for it because they seem to go hand in hand, unfortunately. And I think that that is just reprehensible stuff and needs to stop. So we can take that on maybe at a later date, but I'll go ahead and jump back into talking about Ryan here. You know what's really eerie? I'm having a memory come back. I will discuss this at another point, probably in that season you mentioned, but I actually have an experience where I was dating somebody 
who I discovered was into child pornography. And his name was Ryan. Okay, that's super creepy. It's really weird that that's coming up right now. But, you know, that's a story for another time. We'll get into that on season two. Well, you know, you might be able to tell a little bit of that story, too, maybe on TikTok. Maybe you could do a little bit of a story time at TikTok and send our listeners over that way. Yeah, I could. Oh, guys, if you're not subscribing over there, you should. There's some great content. All right, I'm going to dive back in now. On the evening of Sunday, July 8th, 2018, Ryan went out drinking and he returned home pretty late. He fired up his laptop and watched some of his nasty, violent porn from his collection. And then he got a knife and some masking tape. Oh, I don't like where that's going. No, it's dark. He found the key to Stella's bedroom because she had locked her door. And he decided to let himself into her room around 4.30 a.m. And like a total coward, he attacked her while she was sleeping. I hate these guys. I hate them. I do too. Stella woke to Ryan trying to rape her. And there was a prolonged struggle. It was awful. And Stella fought for her life. And she screamed over and over and over again. But she just simply couldn't overpower Ryan. He was too much for her. And he stabbed her in the neck. He stabbed her in the chest, the left arm, and her leg. And he stabbed her 17 times, Alicia. He stabbed her so many times that her lungs collapsed. It's just, it's horrific. It was a horrific way for her to die. That's just unspeakable cruelty. So he goes from attacking her and killing her, and then he wastes no time. As soon as Stella is limp, he cuts her clothing off, and he begins to have sex with her dead body. Oh, it's just disgusting. And it's believed that he attempted to rape her while he was stabbing her and that he continued on to engage in this prolonged act of necrophilia. Absolutely horrific stuff here. And it's just plain to me. It's plain as day. This was a death fetish predator making his fantasies a reality. Absolutely. But I'm about to tell you something else that's going to blow your mind. On the day that this happened, it was Ryan's birthday. What? I guess he decided to give himself a gift by acting out these fantasies that clearly, clearly consumed his mind day after day after day. But yeah, he murdered Stella on his birthday. There's no way that that's a coincidence. You know, like on my birthday, I definitely play up the I'm going to do whatever I want card. Do you do that too? Absolutely. No, not just the day. It's like a birthday month for me. So it's really not hard for me to imagine him being like, it's my birthday. I'm going to do this. It's my birthday. I'll kill if I want to. I mean, it's disturbing. He was sick. I think that he was feeling like this was a treat for himself, like he was going to treat himself to this experience. And that makes me want to vomit. Yeah, it makes me sad for Stella and her family. And it makes me so angry that death fetish exists. So I just it's more fuel to the fire to put a stop to death fetish. It is, especially because we know he had a collection of this pornography and that he'd been watching it and watching it and watching it. And that influenced him, that inspired him, that normalized murder for him. There was a call that was placed to the police a few hours after this happened. So somebody in that area made a report 
they said that they saw a man outside around the Richmond Hill area where he was. And they saw a man that had stab wounds to his leg. And they were concerned about this guy's well-being. So they called in to have like a wellness check or, you know, to get this guy checked out, get into the hospital because he was clearly bleeding all over the place, walking around that area. And the man happened to be Ryan. So when the police got there to check in on this report, they did find Ryan around there and they did verify that he had some wounds on his leg that were bleeding. And he told the police a little fairy tale. He told them that there was a man in the woods that was wearing a dark hoodie that stabbed him and ran off into the night. Wow. So the coward couldn't even take accountability for what he had done. Right. And he refused to let the police into his flat. He actually told them that he smoked marijuana and that there was cannabis in his flat and that he didn't want them to go in there because of that. So I have to laugh at this because I'm just like, why would you tell the police that you had drugs in your apartment? Like, they're obviously going to want to go in there if you say that. That's just, he's being an idiot. I mean, of course, they're going to want to go in there and then bust him for the drugs. So that doesn't make any sense. This was not a very smart fetisher. That's no, pretty clear. No, not at all. And I'm super curious, too, about these leg wounds. And I think we'll probably talk a little bit more about them later. But I just, I don't understand if Stella perhaps turned the knife around on him while she was struggling, if they're from that, or if he cut himself afterwards. But we know for sure that he definitely did not have some mysterious man stab him that night. <laughs> well, I wondered that when you said it. I thought, well, hopefully it was Stella that got some licks in on him. You know what I mean? Like she was yeah. able to stab him some. But I mean, the reality is he may have just been that stupid and stabbed himself. I mean, the guy is not too bright is what it sounds like to me. So I hadn't I really considered that. But if Stella fought really hard, she may have been able to direct or redirect the knife. And, you know, he might have stabbed himself on accident during that whole experience. But the police interviewed him and they just really didn't feel like his story was adding up. They felt like he was really shady. They suspected that he was on some sort of substance and they just felt like something was off. So they wanted to check in on the safety of his roommates, the other people that might have been in the flat. So they went ahead and entered to look around. And when they entered, they did discover Stella's body there in her bed. And they saw just this extreme amount of blood all around. And they were also able to recover the knife that had been used. That had to have been just a horrific scene. Yeah, I bet they didn't expect to find all that. Yeah, that's terrible. And while they were looking around in the flat, they actually found Ryan's laptop pretty nearby, you know, like close to Stella. And there were violent pornography videos open up on the screen and on pause. Oh, that is the first time that we've actually come across something like that, where the video was actually open and on pause, where a murder had taken place. That's incredibly scary and really 
pretty interesting because it does serve as fuel to what we're trying to get out to the public here about how dangerous violent pornography is and that it does lead to murder. I think this is a great case in point. Yeah, he paused the video to go kill her. That says everything right there that I think our listeners need to know about death fetish pornography. This right here alters your brain, you know, pornography use in general does. But you couple that with violent pornography and it's a game changer. It leads to murder. I mean, we cover case after case after case. Violent pornography is not just fantasy. It is a fuel for murder. It is a recipe for murder. And this was absolutely what happened here. You can just picture it. He's got his laptop up. He's watching this video, pauses it, and he's like, okay, I'm ready. So the police understood that as well. When they saw that, they they were like, okay, we need to arrest him immediately because of what they found at the crime scene. So I do want to go back a little bit about his wounds. He had these leg wounds, and I personally believe that he may have put them there on purpose to perhaps add some confusion and doubt into the mix around the crime scene because he just left that flat and went wandering around outside. He didn't do anything to try to clean up. He didn't get rid of the knife or anything. So I kind of think that he may have known that somebody was going to find Stella like that and that he needed to um, appear as though he had been attacked as well. That's possible. Maybe he's smarter than I think he was. I mean, that does seem like that's a plausible theory. Yeah, maybe he was going to say that he and Stella argued and that it was self-defense or something. I don't know, but 17 stab wounds for her, like that's pretty telling. Yeah, it is. I mean, there was a post-mortem exam that stated that, that Stella died very violently and it was the result of the 17 stab wounds that you mentioned. And they also discovered semen left inside of her body. So they knew that she had been sexually assaulted. Authorities also took Ryan's laptop and they examined it. And the collection of child porn and rape porn and violent porn was all discovered. It was all there. The pornography that was up on the screen, the one that we just talked about, the one that he watched right before he murdered Stella, it was of a naked man having forced sex with a female who had been bound, completely dehumanized, and she was bound up with tape. It was called a woman forced by her brother. Gross. I can picture that because of the death fetish pornography that we have seen. I don't know, LaDonna, if it comes straight into your mind too, but some of the videos that I've seen do have women like wrapped up so tightly in tape that they're like mummies almost. I have seen that. And it, I actually thought about that when we were talking earlier when we mentioned that Ryan had grabbed a roll of masking tape, that image popped into my head. It's really creepy to see the videos like that because you can tell they don't even want to see the woman's face anymore. They're, you know, it's just an object with a, a hole for them. It's so gross. It's so dehumanizing. It's terrifying. I don't know how to express that to the listeners anymore. I definitely don't want to send them there to go look at it, but I want to express again and again and again how horrendous, how hideous, how gruesome this violent death fetish pornography is. It is some of the most depraved things you could ever see in this world. And 
you've got an entire community of people who are glorifying the murder of women and saying there's nothing wrong with it. It's normal. It's fine. It's not going to hurt anybody. But it does hurt people because look what Ryan did to Stella. And and think about it. When they looked at his search history, Alicia, they revealed that he had visited multiple porn websites, including death fetish websites. And he was actively looking for violent videos. And one of his favorite search terms was sleepy sex, which is a term that is used when people want to see necrophilia or drugged women being raped. He's a scumbag. So sad. He was also looking up things such as forced mum and drugged and bound. So it wasn't looking good for Ryan. I mean, authorities knew that they were dealing with a violent predator who was into mm-hmm. sick and depraved ideations of rape, kidnapping, murder, all of the things. So I think Ryan was in trouble. I mean, his little secrets, his deep, dark secrets had been uncovered. Absolutely. It creeps me out that his most common search term was sleepy sex because that that just tells us everything we need to know. He's the kind of guy that would drug a woman. You know, he just wanted her to be dead, not able to move at all. It's so gross. At this point, the police had collected a lot of evidence and Ryan was taken to a hospital firstly to just check his wounds And then as soon as he was released from the hospital, he was arrested. I hate to interrupt you here, but I just want to say this. And people can judge me if they want to. But I think it's really crappy that he was able to have somebody attend to his wounds after he made Stella suffer the way that he did. I just find that disgusting and unfair and awful. So there it is, world. You've heard what I have to say about Ryan. It is really unfair. I wish that he could get treatment that was equal to what he had dished out there. I'm sure that it's a protocol that they have to follow if somebody is wounded, but he definitely was ushered straight away to jail after that and arrested. And three months later, he did have his day in court at Winchester Crown Court. That happened on Friday, October 12th. 2018, and he went ahead and pled guilty to murdering Stella. There was no question there. He was sentenced to a minimum of 22 years and six months before he could ever become eligible for parole. So, in addition to pleading guilty to Stella's murder, he also pled guilty to 11 charges of possessing child pornography. Wow. I'm glad that he actually did something halfway decent and spared the family a horrible trial and all of that by pleading guilty. That was a good thing for him to do. Mm -hmm. And Mrs. Justice May, the sentencing judge, is quoted as saying, you impulsively decided to make a present for yourself on your 20th birthday of violent forced sex. The bewilderment and terror that she experienced can only be imagined. That makes me really sad, really just thinking about it. She didn't deserve to die. She did not deserve what happened to her. Yeah, it's just the most selfish thing that he could have done. And what scares me about Ryan is that he was only 20 when he was arrested. So he's going to be pretty young when he's eligible for parole. He'll just be in his 40s, and you know he's going to do it again. He's a fetisher. 
Yeah, he is going to do it again. I don't think they stop. I've never seen a case where they stop. If I'm wrong, hey, if you're a recovered fetisher, contact us. We want to know people who have overcome this type of scenario. To date, I've never found that in my research. And I'm horrified that he's going to be out in his 40s. And I think the only choice that we have here, Alicia, is to put his name on our list and mark it, underline it in red and keep our eye on him. Well, when people come up for parole, can't members of the community go and like protest that? I think it's different in different states, but I think for the most part, yes, especially the victim's family and other people who are concerned, they can contact the parole board. I know they can write letters. And in some states, I believe you can even go in and testify because it's like a mini little hearing, so to speak. And it might be worth it to us and to that family and to the world for us to put together a packet of information about what we've uncovered and send it to the parole board and maybe dispute his eligibility when he comes up for parole. Oh, I absolutely think that's a great idea to add to our list because we have a lot of information on this topic. And there's a lot of other judges, like sentencing judges, who seem to say this person will never be cured of this. So we can include quotes from other judges as well or other professionals that were in trials like this. Well, maybe we need to have a parole packet party, so to speak, and get some volunteers together and we'll put together information for not only this case, but others when we know that someone may be coming up for parole. And let's try to do something about it. Let's try to keep them behind bars. Yep. Sounds like a good idea for us. Add it to the list. That's right, Ryan. We're going to try to keep you behind bars. And this was a dark episode today. So I'd like to try to end it on a nicer note, a sweeter note. And I want to just remind our listeners that so many people loved Stella. And she is so well-remembered. And on June 17th, 2020, some of Stella's friends started a crowdsourcing fundraiser to purchase a bench and a plaque in memory of Stella. And it was fully funded. I just think that's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And Stella loved the beach and loved to spend the hot summer days there. She said that it felt like home to her. And so now there's a bench there that you can go to visit in her remembrance. I love that. So if you're ever in that area, I hope you'll take a moment to go and honor Stella and remember this amazing life that she lived because she had an amazing life up until that point that Ryan decided to take it. That's so good to know that there's a little bench you can sit there and look out at the beach and just remember her. I'm so happy that her friends and her family have that place for her. Me too. That's really important. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening with us today. We know this is a heavy topic, and it's also a really important topic. The reason why we do this every Monday is because we don't want another person to die at the hands of a death fetish predator, whether it's a man or more often than not, it's usually a woman. We just care about human life and this is not okay that this content exists and that it's influencing people to go out and fulfill their fantasies and we do need your help to continue our mission to put some teeth in federal obscenity laws so if you could please go to our website which is deepdarksecretspodcast.com 
and click on the top banner, you'll see a word that says advocacy. If you click there, you'll find, just by scrolling down a little bit, a link to our petition about federal obscenity laws. So if you could go do that and sign the petition, it would really help us because the more signatures that we get there, it makes it so that we have a better pitch when we go to speak with legislators about making some adjustments to the law. Yeah, it's super important. It's like, imagine this, linking arms with people all across the United States and the world, and we're saying no more death fetish. We want to stop violent porn. I think that's so important. But also, as always, if you have a deep, dark secret that you want us to cover, please send us a whisper through our website contact form over at deepdarksecretspodcast.com. And we hope you'll join us every Monday as we continue to dive deeply into the dark world of death fetish, pornography. And remember, keep your lights on. For exclusive content from this episode and all other episodes, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash deep dark secrets. Sign up and you'll be able to see some visuals that accompany each episode.